0: Good morning. How's everyone doing? Are you guys having fun? I'm having so much fun this morning. And the fun will continue because I get to share good news this morning. And Tim, don't you run out here. I have one thing I want to share here, and it pertains to you. It relates. I accomplished something yesterday for the first time in my life. I did something for the very first time. I'm 36 years old. I'm not super old, but... Hey, 36 years, I've never done this. I actually got my legs in skinny jeans. I, I thought I did not get assistance. I thought I'd need two, three, four, maybe five people to help me lift, prop me up and, and get down. I have thick legs, so it was very hard. Um, but, you know, I somehow made it in them the whole time I was thinking of you, Tim. So I know you wanted to get out, but I had to share that when you were here because it was all for you. So you, you've you been a pioneer. Uh, you've paved the way. And so I'm uh, just following in your footsteps there. I don't know how long this will last, to be honest, but I'm giving it a try. So, yeah. So, well, I yeah, at least an hour. That's it. That might be the last hour I ever wear these. but um, And then they'll re- I'll frame them or something. So, you know... I just want to say this, that there's freedom here. Have you guys felt that this morning? You know, one thing I love about Valley Church is I felt very free here to be myself and to worship. I've been coming here five years, and that's something characteristic of those five years. And I felt that particularly strong this morning, the freedom of the Lord. And so as I speak, if you feel led to say a hallelujah, to stand up and clap, to do jumping jacks not saying you need to do that but if you feel compelled to that doesn't distract me I just want to say that because my desire today I believe today will be a success if you feel greater freedom in your relationship with the Lord if you if you have a greater degree of freedom and desire for the Lord and you feel more free before him in your relationship then today is a success So even as I'm preaching, again, however you want to express yourself, you're welcome, however. So um, I also want to say I'm thankful to be able to preach. You know, Tessa was praying for me this morning, and, you know, sometimes preaching can feel like a burden, and it has for me at times, but a lot of times it's just perspective, right? Things in life can be a burden or they can be a blessing, It's kind of how you just see it, right? So as she was praying, she was just realizing, even as she was praying, what the blessing it is that I get to preach in this church, in this season of our life. And I was like, yeah, this is a blessing. So just know that I'm super grateful to share with you guys this morning. Um, It is not a burden. It's a gift. And I pray that as I speak, the Lord would speak through me uh, first... Peter 4.10 says, when you speak, speak the very words of God. So if the word says it, it's possible. So I'm trusting that this morning, that God's words, God's thoughts, God's affections will come through, God's truth, God's revelation. Um, again, that you would be set free, that people would be healed, and that people would receive illumination, light. Light that they would see things differently. Anytime I preach, I, I desire, I ask, the Lord, those three, if those happen, amen. So today I'm talking on one of my favorite topics, the presence of the Lord. The presence of the Lord. Isn't his presence good? It's sweet, his presence. You know, we, again, I talk about freedom and another reason I like coming to Valley Church is there is an honor for the presence of God. We felt that when we first came, and that has not gone away. (laughs) That's only increased. Um, From leadership to everyone in the church, all the different ministries and facets of the church, if I could say, what is something that characterizes the church? I'd say love, and I'd say the presence of God. You can't go wrong if those are the only two things you focus on. So... I'm excited. This has been stirring in for me. You know, I don't preach all the time. So when I preach, it's often something that's been stirring uh, freshly, but sometimes for years as well. So um, I just trust the Lord that what he wants out of everything I have uh, is what he wants you to hear today. So I might skip, I might move around. He knows the plan this morning. So I want to start off uh, back at the beginning. Often when I preach, as you guys know, I like to share from Genesis a little bit because those are the beginnings. That's kind of the foundation. And um, having studied the Bible for a long time, one thing that I've learned is these themes of the Bible, almost all of them, if not every theme, is developed in Genesis. Right? You guys have seen that? And there's something called the law of first mention. How something is first mentioned sets a precedence for the rest of the scripture. It's like this law that many theologians believe is there. And so I want to go back to Genesis as we talk about the presence of God. I want to go to Genesis chapter 3, 6 through 10. And there might be a lot of scripture today. I'm not necessarily going to camp out on one passage. Um, and this will all be from the New King James Version. I don't have a King, uh, New King James Bible yet, but I think I want to buy one because that's the... Translation that my I've just been leaning towards now for a couple months, and I know again Pastor Lynn likes that version and I can see why. So I just want to start at the beginning here. Genesis three, six through nine. And before I go, I want to pray. I just want to pray. Father, I thank you that we get to gather freely, that we get to come together and worship you in spirit and truth. That we have freedom in your presence and we also have freedom with each other and god i thank you that you've allowed me to speak this morning your words and i just pray that you guide me help me be sensitive to you holy spirit help us to hear your thoughts this morning to know what's on your mind we just give you our hearts we give you our mind we give you this time to receive all that you have for us in jesus name amen So this is the fall, very familiar story, but this is really one of the first instances, the first instance of of the presence of God. So, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked." So, here we have the first mention of the sound of the Lord and the presence of God. And I have good news today, but I think we need to start with the bad news. Sometimes the good news is all the more good because we first hear the bad news. This is really the state of humanity. You know, that word sound can also be the voice of God. So, what this implies is that, you know, in the beginning... God desired that his voice would be familiar. His voice would be something that we're comfortable with. They heard the sound of the Lord. They heard the same word for sound as the voice. You know, his voice has a sound and the sound has a voice, right? And they heard, it's interesting, they heard the voice of the Lord. You know, John in in, in Revelation 1 says he heard the voice and he turned around. So it's funny, in Genesis and Revelation, uh, God is personified as a voice, He's a communicator, right? But they heard the sound. They heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden the cool of day and Adam and his wife hid themselves, and this is the result of sin, from the presence of the Lord. Where are you? Well, I heard your voice and I was afraid. And they, they, so they hid. And I think until we come to Christ, For all of us, this is our story. The voice of God um, was something we hid from. Maybe we avoided going to church. Maybe we avoided reading scripture. Maybe we avoided that person we knew knew God. Because there's something in our shame and our brokenness that keeps us from the light. That keeps us from hearing his voice, being in his presence. And so what do we do? We hide. So as we, as we go out into the world and we, you, you have relatives or friends who don't know the Lord, they're in hiding because this is what they were created for. They were created to hear the voice of the Lord in the cool of the day and to see his face, to be in his presence. That word for presence is also, I think it's panim, it means face as well. So you could say they hid from the face of God they were hiding from his face. So again we have the voice of the God, voice of the Lord introduced for the first time. We have the face of God introduced. So I want to move on to Genesis 32:30. 30. Genesis 32:30. 30. And I'm just painting a picture here of the Old Testament, the picture that's painted of man's relationship with God. And I believe, yes, this is Jacob wrestling with God. Remember remember this story and his hip and that whole thing? Well, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but there's something I want you to catch here. So verse 30 says, you know, he's he's wrestled with God, and this is where God blesses him and gives him a new name. You guys remember the story, right? So Jacob called the name of that place Peniel. I believe I said that right. For I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. Now think about that. I think you see where I'm going with this. Well, this is a great story. There's a tragedy in it, too, by what's implied by that. I actually saw God, and I didn't die. You know, and and again, is this Israel, is this a great moment in Israel's history? Yes, but there's something implied here. There's a picture being painted of man's relationship still with God. This is really bad news. Now, there's good news coming, but this is bad news. I actually saw God face to face, what I was created for, what should have been natural and normal, and I actually lived and I didn't die. I want to continue to paint the picture here. Let's go to Deuteronomy 5. Actually, no. Sorry. Faked you out. Let's go to... Oh, this is where I messed up. Linda, you were asking. It's Exodus 20, 18 through 21. Exodus 20, 18 through 21. Does anyone know what Exodus 20 is about? You should know this, many of you, by heart. The Ten Commandments. Yeah. And, and like, I don't know if... Like me, I had to memorize these as a kid. So I knew Exodus 20, that's where, that's where the Ten Commandments are. Again, Israel being named, very momentous time for Jacob, becoming, you know, getting the name Israel, wrestling with God. And yet we see, I saw the face of God and I lived. I didn't die. And now we have the giving of the law. Another tremendous moment in Israel's history. And let's read 18 on. Now all the people witnessed the thunderings, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. Then they said to Moses, You speak with us, and we will hear, but let not God speak with us, lest we die. And Moses said to the people, Do not fear don't have that attitude towards God. For God has come to test you and that His fear may be for you so that you may not sin. So the people stood afar off, but Moses drew near the thick darkness where God was. Again, one of the most important moments in Israel's history, but what is the attitude of the people of God? I mean this is the people of God. We're not talking the pagan nations around them. We're talking the people of God. You go. You hear the voice of God. We don't, if we hear his voice, we will die. If we hear his voice, we will die. Let's go read Deuteronomy 5. This is the other, same story, but just a different version. I think sometimes it's good to hear the same story from a couple perspectives. Let's go to Deuteronomy 5, verse 4 and 5. Same story. This is where they're about to head in the promised land and all of Deuteronomy is like a sermon before they head in the promised land. So Moses is retelling the story of the 10 commandments. So four and five, listen to this. The Lord talked with you. Now, again, Moses is addressing all of Israel. Keep in mind, Moses is addressing all of Israel. The Lord talked with you face to face on the mountain from the midst of the fire. I stood between the Lord and you at that time to declare to you the word of the Lord. For you were afraid because of the fire, and you did not go up to the mountain. Again, in, in Exodus it says, I don't, we don't want to hear the voice or we'll die. So Moses, you find out what God's saying, come to us and you tell us, because we're, we're going to die. And now here in Deuteronomy 5, Moses is saying he came to you face to face. He's speaking to Israel, meaning... This is how I interpret it. God's intent was to come face-to-face with his people. You catching that? Because behind all this, I think, is the heart of God. That's what I want you to hear. What's God's perspective in the midst of man's and woman's brokenness? The Lord talked with you face-to-face on the mountain from the midst of the fire. He was there on the mountain, but I stood, and and I kind of interpret this, but I had to stand between the Lord and you to declare the word of the Lord because you are afraid of the fire. So where the, the giving of the t- Ten Commandments, we can have this view of God like he wanted to put the fear of God in them. Like, you fear me and you stay at a distance. But that comes from more maybe from our perception of our own earthly fathers or just ex- our l- earthly experience, not true theology. Not true, right? Right? we know if, if, if God is not like Jesus, if, if, if we know who God is, God's heart, if it's anything not like Jesus, then it's not God. There's no difference. It's not like there's Old Testament angry God who says, stay at a distance. And Jesus is like, I love you. I'm going to come close. No, this is the same God. He didn't change from Old Testament to New Testament. So again, the Lord talked with you face to face on the mountain from midst the fire, but I essentially had to step in the gap because you were so afraid you were freaking out. But I stood in the gap and I went with him face to face. And again, I love the character of Moses, but even within Moses, there's some bad news because you don't have all of Israel face to face. You don't have all of the people of God hearing the voice. You have one out of a couple million. Let's go to... Uh, Deuteronomy thirty four ten. Deuteronomy thirty four ten. And again, this is a uh, this is actually a prophetic word when you look at the whole of Scripture. But I want to this is the end of the law. So the first five books. This is very important. Whatever said at the end of there was three major sections of the Old Testament: the law, the prophets in the writings. And we don't see that in our modern versions, but this is how a Jew would have read it, right? And this is at the very end, so this is kind of a final thought. But since then, there has not arisen in Israel a prophet like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. This section is about Moses, but it's believed that Moses wrote Deuteronomy. How is that possible? He didn't write this ending section, is what all scholars have come to. He wrote the majority of Deuteronomy, But then when they were collecting, because see, the Bible was a bunch of scrolls and books that there were other people who didn't just write. They put them together in such an order or such a fashion, okay? So imagine someone is putting God-inspired notes at the end of the whole law, okay? And you guys know the whole story of Moses and being delivered from Egypt and, and the giving of the law. And right at the end, the author puts, but since then... There has not arisen in Israel a prophet like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. The bad news, Moses was one in a million. You know, Moses was one in a couple million. The good news is there's a prophet coming. And he's going to open something up for everyone. So I, I, I... Sometimes I want to hold back the good news, but I can't. It's just really hard for me to do that because that's, but I'm trying my best. So, so, you know, give me patience here. I'm trying to hold back. But so I think we've had enough of the bad news, but do you see the picture here? Man created in his image and likeness. You're my image and likeness. He creates Adam. All of the animals are brought to him because God wants Adam. It's like a treasure hunt to find a likeness, a suitable helpmate who's like this mirror reflection of him, right? But different, but reflecting him. And God takes, you know, the rib from Adam and he makes Eve. And there is this peace with each other and there's this relationship with God where they hear his voice and they feel his presence and they're in his presence. And then when they sinned, man became blind. Man became in shame and says, God, no. In fact, Moses, you go in here we're going to die. We can't see God, you know. So this is a perfect setup. You know, God is sneaky. He's sneaky. He had a plan up his sleeves the whole time. He had something in mind from the beginning. How many of you guys like treasure treasure hunt movies? Or like When they find gold. Okay, I see a bunch of hands. Aren't they all? I love them. Indiana Jones. Any Indiana Jones fans? Okay. Yeah, I love Indiana Jones. Uh, Our family loves treasure hunt movies. Indiana Jones is one of our favorite. Sahara. I don't know if anyone's seen that movie. I mean, it's kind of a fun, action-adventure movie, but, man, I love treasure hunt movies. John, you, you obviously love those. We have to watch a treasure hunt movie together. My favorite treasure hunt movie is... National Treasure. <laughs> I almost feel like there's something prophetic about that movie. Very prophetic about it. It's funny. As, as a spirit-filled believer, if there's certain movies you're drawn to, it could be just a fleshly thing, but consider it might be God communicating something. Because, man, I, there's a lot of nights where we're trying to decide on a movie. I'm like, we could watch National Treasure. We could watch National Treasure. I'm like, we've seen it like a billion times, okay? Um... And it's a kid's movie, but I can't get over it. And, and I think I know why. And these are the thoughts I have because I'm always, when I watch movies, sometimes I just like to meditate. You ever done that? I'd say, God, what, what's your perspective? What truth is coming through this, yeah. this movie? OK, so in the movie, you know, Nicolas Cage is the head treasure hunter. And what's so cool about this movie is the treasure isn't necessarily in some random place. Uh, like Indiana Jones, they go to these far off places. But literally, the treasure map is on the back of the Declaration of Independence. I mean, it's right under their noses the whole time. And as a kid, say I grew up on the East Coast. My mom was a history buff. And every, almost every summer, she had a say on where we went to vacation. And I think I did seven vacations in Washington, D.C. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. I know we got an... Pastor Rich, a history buff here. Smithsonian, I've seen most of it. I've been to the National Archives. I've been to Philadelphia, and where they signed the Declaration of Independence, the Liberty Bell. I grew up out there, so when we'd have field trips. So not only were we doing field trips there, when the summer came, my mom brought us all there. So these images in the movie are very you know, near and dear to me. I've been right there. And uh, what's so cool is that the treasure map's on the back of the Declaration of Independence. And they're finding all these clues. At one point, they find a clue on a $100 bill that had been there all along, we just didn't see it. And so there's all these kind of American artifacts. Even the Liberty Bell has a clue, right? Right by the Liberty Bell. And I guess what stirs in me, what I love about this treasure hunt is the clues were right there all the time. We just missed them. The treasure was buried beneath a popular church right there in Philadelphia. They went six, 10 stories down, and they found infinite gold. And I think that treasure story is more accurate to the treasure story of the Bible. You see, even with man blind and deaf to his hearing God and seeing him, God buried a treasure from the beginning of time. The most valuable treasure. And and Tim was declaring about this treasure this morning. I want us to go to 2 Corinthians four, four. Second Corinthians four, four through seven. And if you didn't know treasure is in the Bible, it is. Even in the New Testament, we have treasure story here. Actually verse three. Second Corinthians four, three through seven. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves as your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ? That is probably my favorite verse in the Bible. But let's go on one verse. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Did you hear that? I hope you're hearing. God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, quoting Genesis when he created light in the beginning. And what Paul is saying is prophetically, when he said, let light shine out of darkness, there was another light he created that was blind to us. And that was the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus. The light, the illumination, the vision, the awareness of the knowledge, that's not head knowledge. The light of the intimate, experiential, relational knowledge of God in the face of Christ Jesus. But where did this light shine? In our hearts. It was buried there all along. We have this treasure in earthen vessels to show that this glory, this power is not from us, but from God. Now, this kind of blows our minds of evangelism. I like to evangelize, and I like to share the good news. If you noticed, obviously you've noticed, every time I'm up here, I preach the good news because that's what I have to do. It's in my blood. It's I have a passion for the gospel because I, I love the good news of Jesus Christ. It's, it's a treasure story. Any good story, a romantic story, treasure story, the gospel's that, right? And I'm just telling you a treasure story this morning. But that treasure, here's what's amazing, was right there all along. And I believe that. Let's go... It, Galatians 1, 14 through 16, I think it is. This wasn't, I didn't give this to you, Linda, but that's where I feel like we should go here. Now, now capture this. What What I'm saying and what I believe Paul is saying is this treasure has been right under our noses the whole time. But it's through the proclamation of the gospel and what Jesus has done that our eyes are open to see it. Let's read 15 and 16. This is Paul, and as you know, Galatians is all about the gospel, and he comes in because he preached the gospel, and then the Galatians got off track. I preached on this before, and they got bewitched, it says. And so Paul is reminding them of the true gospel, the one that he received from God, and he passed on to them and created all this fruit in their life that they got off from. Verse 15 and 16. And when it, this is Paul's testimony. And when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Where did God reveal his son? In him. The treasure was in him. It didn't say he prayed a prayer and Christ floated from the outside and went inside. No, 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 no. When he prayed, When he got the light, you know, he was struck blind. The sun was revealed in him. And then notice what he says here. That I might preach him among the nations. You know that word among could easily be in. Catch it here. And this is actually what I believe would be a good interpretation of that. God at the right time in Paul's life, had a treasure he wanted to reveal. Despite all of his breathing out murderous you know, threats against Christians and all of his religious zeal and him trying to get close to God, but he couldn't, but he was a religious zealot, there was this time where it says, at the right time, God revealed his son in me that I might declare him or preach him in the nations. I need to go and tell the nations The good news, the mystery. Remember the mystery? What is the mystery? Colossians 1.27, the mystery is the treasure, which is Christ in us, the hope of glory. Christ in us, the hope of glory. The mystery that was kept hidden for ages and generations. Remember this? This mystery, this treasure is revealed to us as we hear the good news and the good news is that god has always wanted us to hear his voice god has always wanted us to experience the treasure of christ himself god's very presence within us but we were blind we hid then we started living just external lives It's all about today and what's in front of me and what I see and and this and that. And we get selfish and we get envious and we get jealous and we live this life of death on the outside. I've lived that life. But there came a point in my life when he was pleased to reveal his son in me. And, And I pray for that for some of you this morning. That I can preach to you, but I pray by the spirit he might reveal his son in you. Because once you have that treasure... You don't just need to hear it from someone you can run with that so this is the good news the good news is that his presence was there all along we were the ones that hid the bible says in colossians one that we became enemies of god in our mind what is it what does it say the god of this age blinds the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing something not to keep them from getting somewhere or keep them from something getting to them. Hell can be right here. Jesus can be right here. He is right there. Do you get what I'm saying? That the treasure was not far off. It's not something we need to ascend or, or find our way to Jerusalem or climb upstairs or go through you know, fasting and prayer and all those things are good, but we don't need to work ourselves to find him. The good news is he's, he, brought us, he brought Jesus to us and Jesus became a man. But here's what's cool is Jesus left, gave us the spirit to reveal he was there all along. Yeah. The treasure was there all along. And when we discover that treasure, we go, oh, Jesus, as I get to know you, I, now I know the purpose of my life. Now I know what I was created for. And we begin to feel him Tangibly. We begin to feel him in our bodies. We begin to feel his presence, his warmth, his embrace. And so that is good news. The good news is that even in our sin, God had a treasure hidden, Christ in us, the hope of glory. And through the proclamation of the gospel, through Jesus' life, death, resurrection, and ascension, through the forgiveness of sins, our eyes can be opened and the God of this age no longer has power over us. Because we begin to believe. We begin to believe. And believing is seeing, right? Uh, What did Tim say? We don't fix our eyes on what is unseen or what is seen, what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary. What is unseen is eternal. And God has opened our eyes to see the treasure of Jesus who was there all along. And then life comes into perspective. Light, purpose, destiny, fruit, relationship. The voice of God, the face of God. Where's the face of God? Right in your spirit. God has shown in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus. In the face of Christ Jesus. Remember, we hid from his face in the beginning when he's saying, oh, I'm not just going to be walking with you in the garden. I'm going to be walking with you in the garden of your heart. There's another garden he had in mind much closer In some external garden. I've been to some beautiful gardens, but there's a garden in your heart where Jesus loves to commune with you. And if you can't feel him or see him, it's because the enemy has blinded you. You need to hear the good news, even as you're hearing now. I just pray that hearts are open. I just pray that eyes could see that Jesus is right there. He's in you. I just pray right now, you just see, you would see, you would see. He's closer than breathing, nearer than hands and feet. He is in you. He is in you. He is with you. He has never left you nor forsaken you. You may have forsaken him. You may have been un- unfaithful, but he has not been. He cannot deny himself. So this is the treasure of his presence. What I want to get into now, and I before I, this is really what I want. I want to get into kind of the main topic, something that the Lord has been reminding me of re- recently, or challenging me in, or maybe just desire, pure desire, is now that we know that Christ is in us, how do we practice that in our daily life? Where The rubber meets the road, right? Because we can hear this good news and enjoy a little bit of it and then walk away and we go on with our normal life. Right? So, um, this is where the rubber meets the road. So, first I talked about the treasure of his presence. Now I want to get into the practice of his presence. Let's go to 1 Timothy 4, 6 and through 8. How many of you love scripture? I love it. You know, when I preach, I can't go wrong if I just share a lot of scripture because his word doesn't return void. Mine might, but his doesn't. I'll tell you that. You get the word in you, it'll produce. I've preached on that before. Okay. 1 Timothy, Paul speaking to Timothy. This is a father-son relationship, right? Not literal, but in the spirit. Fathers, we need fathers, we need sons. We need fathers, we need daughters. We need mothers, we need daughters, Right. And this is Paul's instruction to Timothy, verse 8. Did I say First Timothy 4, verse 6? Yeah, let's start there. If you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. But reject profane and old wives' fables, And exercise yourself towards godliness. Verse 8 is what I want to key in on. For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Let me read that again. For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and of a life that is to come. Yeah. Let me define godliness, because honestly, I had to look it up again, I was like, oh, yeah, that's what it means, because we don't really use godliness. I don't even hear that often, oh, they're a really godly person. It's almost a negative term, right? Oh, they're so godly, right? I hear it more negative than positive, and I don't even hear it that much anymore. It's kind of an old school term. But it just means, literally in the Greek, it's almost to stand at a distance, but not in the sense of relational distance, but to have awe of someone else. And then your life accordingly lives up to what you see. So godliness is, uh, is really the fear of the Lord, and then in my life, I want to line up. And really, I see this as the practice of the presence of God. You see what I'm, You see that picture? So, godliness is profitable for all things. You know, recently, a uh, month or two ago, and don't feel bad. I'm not trying to make you. We, we, we joined the YMCA again. Now, it had been many years since we had been members of the YMCA. But how many know it's good to have physical exercise? <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and so... All of us as a family have either been swimming, I've been playing basketball, which I do all the time anyway, but when I go to the Y, it seems like I'm paying money, so I'm going to play more rigorously because I got to get my exercise. It's psychological, right? You pay to go to a gym and you're like, now I'm really going to exercise. I was faking it before, but now I have put some money in this, so I'm going to do it. So so I, I play for about an hour or two, and you know, there's benefit there. You sleep better. I've been sleeping as a whole better since I've been going to the Y, especially if you swim man, I can only do like six laps, and I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. Swimming is very hard. Anyway, that profits you, and I felt the benefit of that, but there's nothing like godliness, and he says, discipline yourselves. Give yourself to this, and I think this is where the practice of the presence comes in, and so what I want to un you know, just share are just some ways that I have found, and I'm sure, I know for a fact, many of these, many of you guys do, so maybe this will just be a reminder. I don't believe I'm necessarily going to share anything super original here, but I think we need this reminder that, okay, God's presence is in our life. He's revealed the treasure of Jesus, but let's be honest. How Aren't there times where we, we, we don't give ourselves? There's still a part, there's something on our part to avail ourselves to his presence. We can still close our ears and close our eyes. There's a choice. Life is choices. So even though the gift's been freely given, we don't avail ourselves to the gift of Jesus Christ and His in relationship with him. So here's some practical things. First off, the experience of God's presence is like anything in life. It requires faith. And one time I, I was meditating, and I felt like the Lord told me, and I had just received a master key to like 24 Verizon doors, one key that opens all, and I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. I'm like, this is a true master key. He's like, and the facilities guy say, if you lose that, it's a thousand dollars, because we got to replace them all. And I go, whoa, I have a thousand dollar key. And I remember going to the first door, using it for the first time, and I was just in one of those times where I was practicing his presence and talking with him, and I felt like God was saying, Faith is that master key. You know, there's all kinds of things we want to experience, the the gifts, you know, the gifts God's given us, or we want to see healing, or all kinds of awesome things that God has for us, blessings. And a lot of times we feel like, why can't I experience that? Well, they're all through faith. It's not going to be through your effort. It's not going to be through your thinking through it right or reading the right book necessarily. It's going to come by faith. And that key is, Is the the key that opens all that up is faith. Where does faith come from? Let's go to Romans. Romans 10, 14 through 17. Romans 10, 14 through 17. One of my favorite passages in the whole Bible. You know, Romans is basically, I'll just sum it up, it's a giant book where Paul lays out the gospel. There you go. And the righteousness of God and how God redeemed us and restored us to himself. He spends essentially the first 11 chapters doing that. But here's chapter 10. How then shall we call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the, the gospel. For, God, for Isaiah says, in quoting Isaiah 53, Lord, who has believed our report or our message? So then, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ is the literal there. Word of Christ. So where does faith come from? Hearing. Specifically, the whole context here, yes, from the word of God in general, but the word of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. So, as I've, you know, practiced God's presence, what helps me, number one thing I do is I have to off, like Adam and Eve, I I can't hear always. My ears get stuffed, and I can't see, and I need salve as Christy was celebrating this morning, I have to go back and remember that I've been saved. I have to remember that his blood cleansed my sin. I have to remember that he rose from the dead and and somehow I rose when he rose. I gotta hear the gospel of Jesus Christ again. That is the fountainhead of faith. Really, it's Jesus and his person and his work. So where do I get faith? His faith opens doors for me to experience the tangible touch of God. I need to hear the good news again. That's why we not, never tire of the good news of the gospel. We never tire of the good news of the gospel. We need to hear it daily. Sometimes I feel like I need to hear it every hour. I need to be saved again. Now, God doesn't save me again and again. Well, in one sense, he does because his salvation is unveiled in my life, right? But I was saved 2,000 years ago when he died for me. But sometimes I forget that. And as soon as I forget that is when I want to put on the fig leaves, right? As soon as I forget that, I want to say, you, you know, I'll just, Pastor Lynn, you go in here, here, God, on my behalf. And that might have hit a couple, you know? <laughs> Moses, whoever Moses is in your life. And that's great, we have Moseses. But God doesn't want you to just go through Moses or me or any man or woman of God. How many sermons do we listen to? That's great. I, I think ser- listening, that's actually one of my things here. How to practice the presence of God. I listen to a lot of gospel sermons. But we need to hear, we need to hear God for ourselves. We need to hear directly. Faith comes by hearing. We need to hear the gospel for ourselves. So expose yourself daily to the good news of Jesus Christ. That's why we gather. Because when we sing these songs, when we celebrate communion, when we get together, one of the things we do every Sunday in some Former fashion is, what do we do? We remember Jesus. (laughs) We may have forgotten yesterday or that morning, but we all need to hear because he is our savior. And he saves us from our blindness and our deafness. Because you could try all kinds of methods and get off. When you just need to realize, Jesus, I need you. I need to hear what you've done for me. I need to hear the good news. And as I hear the good news, So God doesn't just demand faith, he supplies it. I heard that one time and it stuck with me. He doesn't just demand, you better believe this good news, he supplies it by the Holy Spirit. So as we expose our ears and our eyes, and I'm talking the ears and eyes of our heart, to the good news of Jesus, God supplies faith for our eyes to be opened. And then we can see and we can feel his presence. A couple more things here. Take time to learn how to hear the still small voice of God. Now, when we lived a life of sin and we didn't know Jesus, that was pretty much impossible. Although I do believe people who don't know Jesus still hear his voice. But I'm saying as a regular thing, the still small voice of God. God's humble. You know, most of the time when he speaks, it's humble, it's still small, because he doesn't have to like prove himself and, you know, come in these loud, boisterous ways. Now, sometimes he does that. But do you spend time actually trying to cultivate hearing his voice in your spirit. I mean, that's massive. I could preach for 20 weeks on that, and I know Pastor Lynn's preached on that many times, and it's something uh, I know he's preached on for years here. Do you take time to hear the still, small voice of God? I got this from a brother in the Lord, uh, a preacher. What does Jesus say in John seven thirty-eight? He says, out of your inmost being or your belly will flow rivers of living water. I know Pastor Lynn, you quote that one all the time. I love that. John 7:38. memorize that one. Get it in you. It's a great truth, but the literal is your belly, out of your belly. So I had a brother I was listening to a guy preaching, and he's like, "You know, I can forget the Lord too, so you know what I do? I just stick my hand in my belly and go, "There you are, Lord." Some of you can try that right now if you want. There's freedom here. There you are, Lord. Whoa. There you are, Lord you're right there. There you are, Lord. I do that once in a while. I know it's cr- I do it while I'm driving. I have one hand on the wheel. Don't, I definitely keep one hand on the wheel. Don't worry. And then the other one's on my stomach because I forget and I get clouded and I go, there you are, Lord. And it helps center me right away. So anyway, a little practical thing. You can do it or you can throw it out. Breath. Sometimes the Lord has given me this. You know, the word spirit, wind and breath are interchangeable through most of the Bible. You know, in all kinds of spiritual, spiritualism, I'll call it, Eastern meditation, all that, breath is essential. It's all about coming and centering yourself in the breath. I think there's some truth in that, but ultimately that can get you off because it can lead you to a force instead of Jesus. But there's truth in it. The ultimate truth is the breath of God is in us at creation. And then what happened in the upper room in John 20? He said, receive the Holy Spirit. And he literally, it says he breathed on them. So if you want to feel God's presence, remember the whole prep purpose of today is how to actually practice God's presence in your life. Realize that as you breathe, become conscious that God is in my breath. Practice breathing Jesus or breathing the spirit. I know that sounds kind of, some of you that might be a little weird. Others of you, I know you're resonating with it because I feel God. There's times where I feel very pleasurable love of God when I just focus on my breath for five, 10, 15 minutes. Try it throughout the day. If you're struggling, just say, hey, Lord, I'm just going to become aware of my breath, but really I'm becoming aware of you because you're in my breath and you're even closer than my breath and your ruach is your spirit. But you could say, if a Jew heard ruach, he might think breath. The same word, same exact word. Soaking music, like we're hearing right now. Perfect timing. Um Healing rooms, I was part of that for a year or two. One of my favorite parts, I loved to minister to people. That was awesome. Uh, Another thing I loved is for half an hour, if you've ever been to healing rooms, just so you know, the team soaks in the Lord to soaking music together as 10, 12 people for a half an hour, 40 minutes. And they cultivate intentionally the presence of God. If you want to know where the power is, it's God, but how does his power come through during healing rooms? That soaking time is essential. And I loved that about the ministry. I loved the ministering, but I loved how God even started stuff in the soaking time. And someone would get an image. And then that the image of that kind of person would come in, or it's just crazy. Soaking. So again, breathing, soaking. Scripture memory and meditation. How many of you like to meditate on scripture? Anyone here? Yeah. Some of the younger folks, that's awesome. Start when you're young. I started meditating at 13. What's your name? Nathaniel? Me- keep meditating on scripture. Because it's made all the world of difference in my life. Because I can get off, but if those words get in you, they're like seeds. And those trees, have those. they have to bloom eventually. So you may not know your way at times, but the word does. And Jesus does. So I would, when I was 13 it's when I first began to experience Christ and I had an insatiable desire for scripture. And I think we all have that if we're believers. I felt like maybe God gave me an extra dose of that. Uh, and that's his grace, that's not my ability. And I would just start memorizing scripture. I'd do three by five cards and I'd put them in my back pocket. And when I had a spare time, I was just reading them and reading them and reading them. Because reading the Bible is great. I think it's even better. Get it in you, memorize it. What if, your, what if all Bibles were taken away and there's countries where that's true right now? I don't know if you've ever seen those clips, and I can't even talk about it, but when these people in China and the underground church, they receive Bibles for the first time, they all start weeping uncontrollably, and it reminds me to be thankful that I have the Word, and they start screaming, and you see these teenage girls just going crazy that they have the Word of God, and they're kissing it, they're literally kissing the Bible, and it's beautiful, but I would say there could be a day when that's outlawed, I hope not, but that could come a day. Do you know God's word? Is I've hidden your word in my heart that may not sin against you. Meditate on it. And it's something I do. This is just practical stuff. I love numbers. Does anyone love numbers? I mean, I'm a numbers guy. I'm in sales. I see the prophetic significance of numbers. Um, if you have a prophetic heart, numbers may mean a lot to you. You may see 333 show up time and time again or 412 or Whatever. Well, I've memorized enough scripture where I don't always know it by heart, but I'll definitely tell you where it's at. And again, it's just a gift I have. Part of it is it's not just a gift. I don't want to just call it a gift. I practice this, and that's not boasting. I'm just trying to lead by example. Take time to memorize scripture. So I'll be driving. How, many, how much a life is just staring at numbers? When I drive, if I see 413 on a license plate, I go, oh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. <laughs> yes, Philippians 413. And if I see 738, I go, out of my innermost being, oh, rivers of living water, John 738. And if I see 114, I say, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, John 114. Because the word's in me. The word's in me. So driving doesn't become boring because I'm like, oh, that's a good scripture. Oh, Lord, that's a good one. Oh, Oh, I can't even drive behind that one. I got to put my blinker on and go around him. Just you go ahead. I can't look at that verse now. Um, Anyway, I could go on. You look at the clock all day. I think of a scripture when I see the clock. It's 738. Out of my innermost being, rivers of living water are flowing. Again, that's a little tip I've practiced for many, many years. But I think we need that, right? Practice is part of life. God knows we need practice. That's why Paul, a practical man, a grace man, but a practical man saying, here's how you live out grace in your life. Practice godliness. And I have fun with it. It's not a legalism. See, I've been set free by His grace, because now I get to be disciplined. I want to be disciplined. So and, and I'm learning more and more in this. There was a time where I had to go radical on grace, and I'm still radical on grace, but I realize His grace always leads to us to do something. If you stop doing stuff, you're probably not hearing the grace of God, because all, all I know is God's grace acts. And so if you have that desire, put it into practice. Do you have to do the numbers thing like me? No, but find your way. He's given us the gift, the treasure of Christ, but do we practice that? One of the most classic books I was exposed to in high school was, and I'll wrap it up with this, Brother Lawrence. Has anyone heard of Brother Lawrence? Christian Catholic, uh, Christian, I believe, a technically Catholic monk in Paris during the 1600s. He was a soldier who was disabled and he ended up after war in the early 20s, entered a monastery, which he was for a long time. And his main job was just washing dishes for all the other priests. He never wrote a book. He didn't write that book, Practice the Presence. Those were letters that someone else collected, put them together, and it became a Christian Catholic, uh, classic. What was so amazing about this humble, in the kitchen, dishwasher in a monastery? He intentionally made it almost a game, although he doesn't use the term game, he made it a practice just to live in God's presence every moment of his life. And it says people would travel to watch him watch the dishes. Woo! That's how powerful his dishwashing was, you know? People will travel to see, you know, healing miracles and all that. How many people travel to see someone wash their dishes? Well, people traveled to see Brother Lawrence wash his dishes. And it's 15 letters of him writing to people, telling them about his personal relationship with the Lord. And it's just like, yeah, I, tr- I bring God in every moment. I don't even get stuck on set times of devotion. He's just a part of everything I do. And man, I'm not there, but by God's grace, isn't that what we all want? To live in his presence, right? To live in his presence. And finally, we don't, we don't seek this out, but if we delight ourselves in the Lord, where is that found? Come on, you know this. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Psalm 37.4. So every time I see 37.4, I go, oh, I'm going to delight in you, Lord. <laughs> every time I see 37.4, I've trained myself. I can't see 37.4 and not think, delight myself in the Lord and he will give me the desires of my heart there's fruit. As we delight in him in his presence, there's fruit that we can give glory to God. We don't seek the fruit. We seek him. But I like to share the fruit because you're probably seeking these things anyway. Why don't you just seek him and you'll get them in the end anyway? So you don't even have to worry about trying to get them. Does that make sense? No. Here are the fruit. Here are tangible fruit in my life. I literally probably, the fruit of, is there fruit of spending time in God's presence? So I'm just going to list a couple. You begin to feel God's heart for other people. You may see the same person two days in a row, but if you're in the presence one day, you'll actually feel his compassion that day for them. When I felt like God's actually used me when I ministered to people is because I was feeling what he was feeling. But how did I come to feel what he felt? It was through spending time in his presence. There's no other way. You can't get God's heart people, for people unless you're in his presence. Because honestly, it's just earthly. It's for selfish gain and you're chewing it for glory. or, or just it's, it's just rote. It's rote. Never move in service unless you feel the compassion of God. Well, if you don't feel the passion of God, go to God. Spend time in his presence. Then you'll have the compassion. Then you'll move in power, right? Okay, a couple other fruits here. And then I'm gonna let the worship team come up. We're gonna end in some worship here. I feel like I would just like to end rejoicing before the Lord just for a minute or two before we release you guys. But people will come to you with needs. You don't have to necessarily go to them. When you're spending time in God's presence, some people you haven't talked with in months or years will all of a sudden call you. Who's experienced that? Yeah, Yeah, amen. And you know they called me because I've been spending time in God's presence. Now, I'm not saying because you did that God's blessing you. All I'm saying is somehow in the spirit, you're soaking and you're deeply in his presence. And right when you get that text, you go, yeah, Lord, you drew him back to me. I'm going to bless him. You know what I'm saying? Words of knowledge. I'll just share one story here. I love words of knowledge, but I found as I seek them, they don't happen. But as I spend time in God's presence, they slip out of me. I think words of knowledge is a dangerous one. If you go after it, I'm not saying don't go after it, because you know, I think the prophet we had here, Sean Boltz, said intentionally go after stuff, but I know his heart. His heart is for the presence of God. I went, I walked into a store, I recently met a girl, this happened six months ago, probably, and I met a girl, and we talked two or three times. She was probably 20 years old, and I'm gonna guard by not sharing names. I hadn't seen her in a month or two, and I know I was abiding in God's presence before I walked in that store a month later. And I look at her and I call her by a name that sounds nothing like her real name, has the, not the same words, you know, and I'm gonna guard uh, and by not sharing that specifically. And she freaks out and she's like, that's weird. And I go, why? And you know, she pulls me aside. She says, my identical twin sister has that exact name. And I was had discernment in the spirit to go, that wasn't an accident. So I was able to share with her about the Lord was it about her? Actually, it wasn't really about her. There was another coworker who ended up hearing the story who used to be at Bethel and used to minister down there and was on fire for the Lord and clearly was not at this point. And he pulled me aside He says, do you walk in words of knowledge? I go, yeah, occasionally they just slip out. And it was a chance to encourage him because he knew when he saw it and when he heard it, that was not normal because he had experienced words of knowledge in the past, but had grown cold to it. So it really wasn't for her. I don't know if I blessed her or God blessed her, but I did bless him and God blessed him, that 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 older guy in the Lord. So, And then financial blessings. I've shared this from the pulpit. I don't need to go off. I've had sales come to me that I knew were from God because I was spending time in his presence, not focused on trying to make more sales. So in the business world, finances, we all want more finances. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all those things will be added unto you. Where is that found? Come on. You know it, Matthew 6.33. At 6.33, because I wake up early, right? Whenever it's 6.33 a.m., I go, I'm going to seek first the king and his righteousness and all these things. I can't see 6.33 without thinking that. And again, I say that to challenge you guys that that's possible, but it took some practice. But you know what? With a little bit of practice, there might come a point where you just see scripture everywhere. And what does Joshua 1.8 and Psalm 1.2 say? You can read it later. Meditate on the word day and night. The word wouldn't say it if it wasn't possible. The word doesn't say anything that's not possible in Jesus by the spirit. If Jesus did it or he said it's available, it's available for us. You can meditate day and night. I believe you can have scripture on your heart all the time bubbling in you. So I I thought we'd end in some worship here. How does that sound? And I will have the prayer team come up here. It's a little past 12 here. I'll have the prayer team come. Actually, I think I'll... All will dismiss this. So you guys want to play a little bit or no? Okay, okay. I'm going to have the worship team just worship, but I will pray for those of you who need to go because I know it's 10 after. And I want to be sensitive to that. Time's not everything, but it's important. I want to honor that. So I'm just going to pray, and then the prayer team will come up. You're free to linger in fellowship, and you're free to go and have lunch. So why don't we all stand here? And again, the prayer team can come up. Father, I thank you that you did not leave us in our nakedness and blindness. You didn't leave us to our own devices. But Jesus, you came and sought us out. And when we were like lost sheep, you went and left the 99 to find the one. When we were that lost coin, you searched the house through and through. And when we were that lost son or daughter, you welcomed us and embraced us and ran down that road for us. I thank you that your intention has always been closeness, not distance. Intimacy, not a breach. So God, I just thank you for what you've spoken this morning. And I just declare greater freedom for us as your people to experience your presence, to live in your presence, and to practice your presence. So God, give us grace to practice, to be intentional this week. To live in your presence give us grace to do that even as we make effort oh god may your grace be like wings of eagles that meet us so we can ride on those wings this week so god bless everyone here bless every heart bless every family as they go in jesus name Amen. amen you guys are dismissed have a great sunday